Howdy friends, welcome to Experience Design with Tony Dosat. I happen to be Tony Dosat. Now listen, before we jump into this week's conversation, if you are a UX designer that is having a hard time getting a job or landing an interview or even getting noticed, I made an online course just for you. It's the course I wish I had when I was out there trying to find work. So head over to HiredUX.com, H-I-R-E-D-U-X.com, and there I'm going to teach you the tools, mindset, and process you need to stand out above the crowd and get hired. Now then, with that out of the way, let's get into the interview. My guest this week is a partner at Rocket Source, a customer experience technology solutions and growth consultancy. From brick to click and click to brick, Rocket Source is grounded in improving and transforming the customer experience in order to help their clients catalyze growth. Love click to brick, brick to click. He's also the co-founder of Platstack, a platform focused on improving the way we interact with and experience content in digital spaces. He's got 14 years of experiential human-centered design, and it's my honor to welcome to the show, Mr. Stephen Kiger. Did I say Kiger right? You did. Kiger like Tiger. Thanks for having me, Tony. Appreciate it. Kiger Tiger. (laughs) I feel an Instagram handle coming on very soon. (laughs) I got Kiger so many times, I just had to tell people. It's just like Tiger. Tiger Kiger. Yeah. Anyways, well, thank you so much for being on and sharing your time with all of us. I want to dive in first with Platstack. You have this varied background and it's really impressive. You know, for example, obviously, like I mentioned, you're a partner at Rocket Source, CPO of R Labs. You were the CCO of 801. You did King Tote, Zero Marketing. That was a a, a fun project. Clearlink. I mean, all these things, you are quintessential digital entrepreneur. Yeah. And here we are with Platstack. I want you to tell us what the heck this thing is. I've been noodling with it, and I think it's a really cool platform. Can you just kind of go over the nuts and bolts of it? Yeah, we're super excited about the product. We've been working on it for about a year and a half, and we're on our third version of Architecture. It's been a challenging development project, but we are getting close to getting to the point where it's stable and it's a product that I use every day. And really, it's focused on two kind of core issues that most users have. One, if you're a Chrome user, I'm sure you, Tony, if you looked at your Chrome browser tabs, you probably have 30 or 40 tabs open at any given point. It's absurd. It's Everyone's got that. And so that's the first problem is, is we want to digitally organize your bookmarks, make it easier to save your bookmarks, make it easier with one click to open them all. And so what we have created is what we call stacks. And so you would be able to create a stack of bookmarks for, let's say, your podcasting. So every day, Tony, when you open up, you got to open up all your browsers, you got to open up your, you know, your whatever windows you have on a daily basis. With Plastack, with one click, you can open up all those tabs. And then uh, once you're done with the day, you can close them out and then open them up the next day. So ha- not having to worry about uh, you know, keeping them open and closing them. The second part, which we're super excited about, is the be- able to collaborate. And so you would be able to invite other people to those bookmarks and have them be able to consume that same content. And so we see a lot of people starting to use it from an onboarding experience. And so you can send you know, let's say oh, you know, clever. 20, yeah, 20, you know, 20 links, 
and they can open them all up and do what they need to do, watch videos, you know, consume the content, download PDFs. Um, and so what's cool about Plastec is as long as there's a URL attached to whatever you're saving, um, you can put it into a bookmark folder or what we call stacks. And so for us, what's really nice is we have stacks for all our clients. And so, you know, we're working on a new project. You have Google Drive, you have Google Sheets, you have Google Docs, you have, you know, uh, YouTube videos, you have a podcast link, you have all these links. And what's cool about it is you can organize all that into one, you know, easy to click on stack. And you know, that's always going to be there. And so that's the first part is just digitally organize so much of your content. The second part, which we are super excited about is the ability to actually curate your knowledge and share it with the world. So Tony, you've been doing podcasting for a while. I'm sure you get people asking you all the time, what podcast equipment should I use? Yeah. What software should I use? What are the best books to read? What are the best podcasts? What's the, what are the best videos to consume? And so what our platform allows you to do is curate all that knowledge that you've been able to consume and understand and learn over the you know many years you've been doing this. And instead of sending them a links to everything, you send them one link and allows them to open up all those tabs, consume all that content, actually have dialogue inside the stack itself. And then, you know, you create essentially a community inside a certain subject. So kind of think like Facebook groups, which, you know, obviously they're pushing, you know, heavily right now, but it's on an individual link basis. And so you can consume all that content and curate that knowledge. So we're super excited about that. Man, I'm taking notes already. Yeah. Do they have to have an account in order to view my stacks? So as long as it's public, no. So we have the ability to turn on public or private stacks. Obviously, there's going to be stacks that you don't want people to see. For the client, Personal yeah. stuff, right? Finance stuff. So as long as it's a public stack, yes, you can send them a link just like anything else. It's a shared viewable link and they can consume all that content for free without having to create an account. I'm listening. And even when I was just noodling with it, I started to get all of these ideas as far as, like, like you said, sharing the content and sharing these yeah. curated things like... Because I get questions all the time about, like you said, I mean, you read my mind, podcasting equipment, getting into UX, book recommendations, whatever it is. Now, what is the difference in, say, for example, most of my social audience right now is Instagram. Yeah. And you see everybody on Instagram right now has the link tree. Yeah. Now, this to me is like you go get the link, you copy it and you paste it into Linktree. Mm-hmm. And then it shoots you to all these different places if you want, but it doesn't house it anywhere except that link in your profile. Exactly. And this yeah, is more so robust. What would be unique about this platform is we are, we're allowing you to connect all your social links, social profiles to your profile. So it's going to show you your latest Instagram post. It's going to show your latest YouTube video. It's going to show your latest Twitter So it's accumulating all this Mm. social knowledge and all this social posting into one platform. And then to your point, allowing you to save all that content and it's evergreen. The problem with, you know, Instagram, it's a, it's a feed-based system. So after two weeks, you're not going to see that link again, unless you scroll down. Right. What our platform allows you to do is save that. It's always there. You can make edits to it. So let's say you change something, your users are going to get notified if they're following you and saying, Hey, it looks like Tony just added two new links, go check them out. Or, Hey, it looks like he updated something or. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do with links. And then what what I think is really cool, and we really haven't explored this, is, you know, imagine being able to put affiliate links inside those links. So now yeah. as people start to click on your links, you're starting to get paid for those. So that's another, yeah. So you can start to monetize your knowledge through all the Skillshare platforms and all the, you know, 
the obviously YouTube's a little tougher, but any sort of Amazon link as long as there's an affiliate code to it. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for someone who has knowledge in a certain subject to be able to share that knowledge and you know eventually be able to monetize it. That is super, super interesting. I can't wait to like really get involved in it. I have two little questions here. The first is why? Mm-hmm. Like, why did you make this product? So with Rockasource, Rockasource is our services-based company. So we work with large enterprise-level clients, you know, doing digital transformation. And then we have Rockasource Labs, which is our incubation space. And really the reason why we created Rockasource is we wanted to re- create really cool products that we feel like the, the, the market needs. And one of the problems we've always had is this tab overload. You know, there's a reason why, you know, I, I know Marie Kondo was super popular on Netflix is people want to organize their life. They want to organize their house. It makes you feel good. And there's nothing better than feeling. And I get this every time I save a link to a flat stack, there's just this like little feeling of like, ah, oh, that feels good knowing that it's there. Mm. You know, I might find a link, some obscure link while I'm doing searches on Reddit. And, you know, you might save it to your bookmarks and you forget where it is. With Plastack, it allows you to save that. You know where it is. You can always come back to it. And so really it's the digital organization. We all have so much content. You know, I, we're balancing so many projects and so many links and even Google Drive, inside Google Drive, trying to remember a file name is so difficult yeah. when you have so many projects going on. And so really the why is it makes you feel good being organized. Everyone's trying to organize their life and why not digitally organize yourself as well? What's the difference between this and Pinterest? That's a great question. So Pinterest is very visual based and yeah. with Pinterest, obviously you can search by uh, some sort of category. The difference between our platform and let's say a Pinterest is our ability to save anything. So again, Google Drive, it could be a YouTube link, it could be a podcast link, it could be yeah. anything that has a link, it could be a Dropbox link, right? Maybe you have an asset folder of all your logos for a project, you can save that Dropbox link into this platform. So where Pinterest is very visually based and trying to get creative, our platform is more about knowledge. And so it's all about consumption of knowledge. You know, again, like you said, book recommendations, podcast recommendations. So it's a lot more expansive than just images. Is there a fear ever that they pivot and make a move and then do what Platstack's doing? Or are you yeah. finding your the company always in that like lit state of we need to always stay ahead and innovate and keep up? I think the difference, and there's definitely a potential for even Google to do it. Google is starting right. to try to organize their content, right? When you go to Google, they're starting to organize by images and videos, and they're starting to kind of create these stacks. And so it's coming. Everyone is kind of doing the same thing in a just a different way. What we're excited about is we're small, right? We are a team of five. We can move really quickly. I'm kidding. As you, you know, with Pinterest, it's going to take them six months to a year to build out some new product or innovation yeah. or, you know, I know people are afraid of the big behemoths. It takes them so much longer mm-hmm. to build out and, and innovate versus a small, you know, product that, uh, you know, we can move and pivot whenever we need to. You know, massive companies like Pinterest or Google, You've got to go through all these hoops yep. and politics in order to get yep. anything done. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we, we feel like we're in a good space. Like I said, we, we've had some development challenges, unfortunately, just with scalability. As you can imagine, as people start to save a ton of links and we're continuing to pull images from those links, we've had to rebuild the architecture a few times, but we're at a place where we feel good about it now. And we're just starting to really start to push it out. And hence why we're on podcasts like yours. Again, it's completely free for anyone that wants to use it. We don't know how we're going to charge users yet. We just want to see how people are using it. And 
what's really cool about, you know, our background, my background in human centered design is we have watched so many people interface with the platform, like literally sitting behind them and watching them navigate the platform. And, you know, as you talk about experience design on this podcast, I always emphasize for people, spend some time if you're building out a digital product and literally sit shoulder to shoulder with someone and actually talk to them why they're using your product. Ask them how they're feeling about it. There's so much emotion tied to when people are, are clicking around a product. Yeah, you know, hot jar is great, but you don't get the emotional side of it. You don't get the frustration. And so it's been really interesting to watch people navigate the product and just be like, dude, how do you not see that button? It's like right there. Like, why, how are you so frustrated right now? And so it's funny and it's, it's enlightening and it, it's hard as a designer to take that feedback. But, it, you know, again, we've been watching consumers use this product. We're getting to the point where we're like, okay, we're starting to feel good about where the buttons are, how people are in navigating, how people are saving, how people are sharing. And, uh, you know, it's been a long process. When I first started as a junior and the first time I got behind two-way mirror in a testing session, <laughs> yep. I was so frustrated. Yep. And I was like, why can't you see it? It's right there, you idiot. And so then true. after I learned more and more and more, this I mean, this is years ago. Yeah. And I go, I had the wrong mindset going in. First yeah. of all, there's a difference between taking your craft personally and taking the actual design and the project personally. And second, I was going in wanting to be validated. Yep. I wasn't going in wanting to be proven wrong. Yep. Well said. And that's what I crave that now. Now it's a matter of in a boardroom or in a presentation or on a whiteboard, whatever it is, I'm like, I want you to punch as many holes in this. I want you to be Muhammad Ali on this whiteboard because I want it to be the best for the user. Absolutely. That's very well said. And and I've been designing for, geez, 15, almost 20 years now. And so, yeah, you get to a point where you don't take things personally anymore. And you say, okay, what can we do to improve? And, and with UX, especially UI UX, it's, it's a different ballgame for sure. Do you think that happens because you just get beaten up so much that you become numb to it? Or do you think that genuinely people make that pivot to empathy and understanding? I mean, I for think me, it, it was the latter the or both. Yeah, I think it depends on the user. I mean, I have some designers I've worked with in the past that are just so stubborn. And mm. unfortunately you can't be super successful if you're stubborn in design. Yeah. Like you said, you have to be empathetic. You have to understand what the user's going through. You have to understand their emotional triggers of, you know, how they're feeling, what they're saying, how they're, you know, what they're doing. And so unfortunately for a lot of people, yeah, you just got to get over it. Just get over that. You know, I'm going to prove you wrong mentality. Unfortunately there, we've all had a client where you just had to do what they want to do and it might look like crap and you just move on. Right. There's no reason to argue on that. Yeah. You are the expert, but, at the end of the day, your clients are paying you and you want to make sure they're happy. And so I, I there is this really hardest, fine balance between yeah. being a professional and being the expert and being, you know, bending to what they're looking for. Because there's only so many mountains you can climb yeah. or battles you can fight, even with, you know, qualitative, quantitative backing you up. Yep. That, you know, if the client is super stubborn, even with all that arsenal, you can't both be. Exactly. You know, so unfortunately that happens sometimes. It's just... Uh, the way that it works sometimes. Pivoting here for a second. So you're this digital entrepreneur and I'm curious as to what your out is or your, do you want this to be acquired one day or have you thought about that? 
Yeah. I mean, obviously the ultimate goal is always to get purchased at some point, right? I don't think we, any, any of us in our company want to take it public. We're really in the incubation space. We're super passionate about getting products kickstarted and started up. And then ultimately, you know, we'll probably spin this off and get a CEO to run it and get someone that's way smarter than us. People that have done this, you know, maybe a couple people that, you know, done companies like this in Silicon Valley and get them to allow them to really spread their rings and do their thing. And we'll move on to the next one. Are you attempting that right now to get to blow it up like that with a CEO, et cetera, et cetera, or is that? We will still- eventually. So right now we, we have done our own seed round in, internally in, plat- mm-hmm. in Rockstore. So we have funded it for the first year. We are starting to look at a possible series A round. At that point, then we'll be able to really hire, you know, some, some serious dev talent as well as some serious growth talent. And then eventually, like I said, yeah, we'll probably kind of step back and, and be in the background. Um, me and my two partners, we don't care about being on the cover of Inc. Magazine. We're just super passionate about building really cool products. And so if someone wants to take the helm, if one of your listeners is like, this freaking product's amazing, and I've done this before, seriously, reach out to us because we are open to having someone who's done it before and believes in the product and wants to just blow this thing out. It would be huge. It's yeah. such a cool tool. Plat stack.com plat stack yeah so a platform to stack your links so if people need to remember that oh there we go hey yep. shoot <laughs> <laughs> you know listen this is not an ad for plat stack the kiger tiger is not paying me to go over this it's just a really cool thing that i think a lot of content creators and curators people that listen to this show i think should really um check it out I'm going to be diving into this thing like it's the deep end and I'm an Olympic diver. I appreciate that. And there's nothing more satisfying than closing out of your your Chrome browser at the end of the day and the next day going, oh crap, I need to open up all those links that I did. And you click literally one button yeah. and all of them open back up. It's just a weird feeling like, ah, that felt good. And the uh, visually categorizing it, because right now my Chrome, you know, like we said, my Chrome browser I do everything in these bookmarks. I'm looking at it now and I'm like, I don't know what is life when I look up at my bookmarks. I'm like, yeah. So we definitely want to take a page from Pinterest, right? Visually representing your bookmarks. So we are going to do our best to pull a relevant picture from the the link itself. If there isn't a link, or I'm sorry, if there's an image associated with the link, you can upload your own or you can do a screenshot of it. So to your point, we want to make it visually representative of what the product or the, the content is inside the link. And so we're, we're trying to organize it that way. And it, it's helpful visually when you kind of know that's the link that's associated with that image. To me, what this all amounts to in my head is it's at least a step in helping the anxiety-induced information overload. Yeah. Because that's a real thing, right? Yeah. And, you know, I always like to use this really cool example, and I think this will help resonate with people. You know, have you ever heard a horologist? No. You know horologist is? So it's someone who studies time and specifically they are experts at grandfather clocks. So my example to you, Tony, is let's say your grandfather, your grandma passed away and they, they, they gave you a grandfather clock that didn't work. What are you going to do? You're going to go to Google. You're going to search how to fix this grandfather clock or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, you don't have the money to have someone fix it. You're going to go down this massive rabbit hole, YouTube, obscure websites, going to Amazon and trying to find products related to this grandfather clock that you've never seen. Imagine if someone, a horologist had created a stack for grandfather clocks and said, hey, you need to fix this clock. Here's the best resources for you. Here's the best four YouTube videos that you'll never find because you're not an expert. 
here are the best Amazon links or whatever links you need to buy the products for. And imagine if that was just in one link and you as a consumer could go consume that content, save hours and hours and hours of research. And maybe they make a little bit of money on the side. Because it's a search tool as well. It's a search tool. It's a content curation search tool. We want to, instead of going to Google to search for a content, a certain subject matter, we want you to come to our platform and find someone that's already done it for you. That's the ultimate wheels are spinning. I can imagine when, (laughs) when you guys were like trying to make this thing that just your minds were going crazy. There's so many ways that we can go with this product. You know, B2B obviously is another side of it. We haven't really touched, but yeah, B2C, there's just like, to your point, there's so much content out there on every subject you could ever imagine. You cannot find a subject that doesn't have content. It's how do you curate that content and organize it so it's easy for people to consume? That's the tricky part. And we're leaning on experts in every space to do that for us. Right. So in wrapping this up, I have one thing I want to do with you. And then I have the final question that I ask every guest. So the one thing I want to do with you, it's right here. It's called Pod Decks. I've done it the past couple episodes. They are not sponsoring this. He's just a cool guy on Instagram that I found. And I think it's a really interesting thing. It's a deck of cards and their questions. Love okay. Awesome. Shoot. So we're going to get cute here real quick. Oh, this is a fun one. Do you have any superstitions? I don't. I'm not a superstitious person at all. No superstitions at all? No. Nope. I've never been superstitious. Like, I mean, I played sports growing up and never believed in that stuff. You didn't wear the just, same jock strap for a whole no, season. Didn't care about that stuff. No. <laughs> My grandmother, uh, yeah. you know, when she was alive, obviously, the queen of superstition, like burying a stake in the yard to get rid of <laughs> warts or something. And uh, if you enter the front, you got to exit the back, whatever it was, all these crazy superstitions. I never developed any. I think yeah. there's subtle ones, you know, where, where like, look, I'm not going to go take a, a mallet to a mirror, Yeah, but I've broken a lot of mirrors in my day. And- I know it's not seven years of bad luck. That's bull crap. However, just a tiny little moment where I go, I'm about to break this mirror or this mirror just broke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Look, we have fun here. Okay, now it's time for the last <laughs> question. All right. What non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? Non-digital thing. Yeah. I am not a guitar player. I had a guitar from my brother. My brother passed away when I was 15 and I kept it and I knew I wanted to give it to his daughter. And so she now owns this guitar and it's something that I was, it was super empowerful to me just to keep it, remember my brother, but then also be able to pass it on to someone who I knew would love it. And she plays it and uh, she was really young when he passed away. So unfortunately she didn't get to know him very well. And so I would say in terms of something that has really impacted me, you know, obviously losing a a sibling is always hard. And when you're young, Mm. it's even harder. It's something that I'll always remember and cherish, even though I don't own it anymore. It's something that I definitely, something I I continue to to think about and and remember. Wow. Sorry to get super deep on you. (laughs) No, that is really something. Yeah. You were 15. Do you mind me asking how he passed? Yeah, he, he died of esophageal cancer. He was 25. It's one of those cancers that usually don't get until you're really old. And so it was, it was baffling. Wow. And uh, it, was a, it was a tough time. But, you know, you grow from that. And, you know, again, geez, it's been 21 years now. So, wow. um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Everyone's got their, stir- their stories and their journey. And uh, again, going back to empathy, 
being empathetic for people because you really don't know where they've been. Now she's got that guitar and what a symbol of. Yeah. And what's really cool is there was a lot of, um, he used to, to write songs. And so there's a lot of handwritten songs inside the guitar and who knows, maybe she's playing them now, which is pretty awesome. That is really, really powerful. I would say, without a doubt, you have taken the cake on that Ooh. answer as Cheers. far as deep, just heartfelt response. So thank you for that candid Absolutely. answer. And Absolutely, man. thank you for being on this podcast. I really, truly hope that everyone goes and checks out Platstack and just dives into this thing because my wheels are spinning. Yeah. And uh, we are open for feedback. There's a feedback button. We know it's beta. I know we know stuff is broken. We just, you know, be just, just break it apart and, and give us your feedback. Cause that's what, that's how we're going to grow it. And that's how we're going to get it big and better. And we are open to feedback and we're open to suggestions. And together, I think this is a product where it's just going to solve so many problems with content overload. And we hope that together we can do it. Amazing words from a truly empathetic designer here. Thanks again, Mr. Steven Kiger. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Tony. Thank you so much for tuning in this week, friends. Now, before you go, I want to remind you about the course I created for all of you UX designers trying to get a job out there. Be sure to check out HiredUX.com. And lastly, I'd like to give a big shout out to my guest and to my Patreon supporters, There's a link in the description to help me out on Patreon if that floats your boat. Anyway, of course, a special shout out to my executive producer, Brian Sullivan. Now, until next week, friends, I can't wait to have you back. Just stay curious. Experience Design with Tony Dosat is part of XD Media, LLC. All opinions are my own and do not reflect those of my current or former employers. 